Hey yo, it's Matthew from That's Matthew, and you're watching Disney Channel. Wait, I think I messed up. Can we start over? Welcome back to That's So Matthew. In today's episode, I am so excited to have two very special guests here with me today. And in just a minute, I'll let them take the floor and introduce themselves. I'm so excited to be here talking about Stuck in the Suburbs, the 2004 decom today, starring Daniel Panabaker and Brenda Song. As you guys know, I love Brenda Song. She has been in so many amazing projects. And on the podcast, I think this is one of the last ones to talk about. So a little emotional here on my end. But without further ado, Allison, if you would like to introduce yourself. Sure. Hello, this is Allison. <laughs> this is Allison McLean Merrill. I am a freelance writer covering film, TV, pop culture, nostalgia, and I'm a fitness teacher and a musician. And I also run a blog which is called Past Foot Forward with the idea that we're moving forward in time, still uh, carrying our most cherished memories with us. And you can find that on Instagram at Past Foot Forward. Well, thank you for being here. I am so excited to have you. We have been connecting online for quite some time now, and now we are working together on this episode, and I'm so excited. And our other guest today is DJ Bob of the DJ Bob podcast, the DJ Bob show, excuse me. So if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yes, um, I'm DJ Bob Runkle. I am a self-proclaimed pop culture nerd. <laughs> um, I've been e- eating, sleeping, and breathing pop culture for pretty much all my life. So there came a point where I just wanted to talk about it all. And um, we're going on our 11th year of the show. So I'm happy to be here. Well, I am so excited to have you here, and congrats on 11 years. That is absolutely insane. I cannot even imagine that. And I just love that we're all pop culture Disney geeks here because, you know, this is the podcast for that. Disney, pop culture, the whole nine yards, this is the place. This is the podcast here on that. So, Matthew. And so, before we get into Stuck in the Suburbs, I always like to share a fun fact about myself. So my fun fact for today is that this is the last episode of season five of my podcast, which is kind of crazy. So this is the season finale, if you will. And I'm so excited for Stuck in the Suburbs. And I think this is a great movie to pick because it came out the year I was born. So we're going to get two different perspectives here. Me, who definitely watched it a little bit later than the both of you and I think that always provides such a unique perspective on the podcast to see like someone who's just watched it more recently than someone who watched it when it first came out. So I'm so excited to hear those thoughts and opinions. Um, And I think without further ado, it is time to get into Stuck in the Suburbs. So as we usually say here on the podcast, Stuck in the Suburbs is a Disney Channel original movie that was released on July 16th, 2004 
about three months before I was born. I was born in September. And Daniel Panabaker stars as Brittany Ahrens, along with Brenda Song as Natasha Kwan Schwartz. And like I said, Brenda Song, love her. And this is one of her earlier Disney Channel projects, right around the time of Sweet Life and before Sweet Life on Deck. And before she got her own DCOM, Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior, which I did cover on the podcast a couple months back. So go check it out. Spoiler alert, wasn't a big fan, but you guys can go listen and find out why. And so this movie is about a regular teenage girl and she is stuck in the suburbs and she is kind of just bored of her life. She has some teen angst, as she says in the movie. She's a songwriter, which she loves to write songs. Her mom, however, does not. And she's obsessed with Jordan Cahill, who is a huge pop star in this fictional universe, which I literally love that for him because he is quite the guy. And somewhere along the time of him being in the suburb that she lives in, he, she gets his phone and they must connect and get it back. And uh, chaos ensues, you know, there has to be a concert, you know, all the Disney Channel original movie antics that they usually pull out. And Brenda Song's character comes along here, kind of throws a wrench into it, causes some pretty emotional drama. And I think that's a pretty good overview of the story. It's a crazy yeah. one. I would say so. It's um, it's very interesting, and we'll probably delve into it a little deeper. But like this film, aside from the main cast, is predominantly a Canadian um cat. Like I think it was shot in Toronto or Vancouver, one of those cities. So. Everybody, like, this is a fictional town in America, but all of the actors are pretty much Canadian, which I thought was kind of fun. Mm, That is very interesting. I feel like a lot of the DCOMs specifically, like, lately have definitely been filmed in Canada. I mean, obviously, for COVID restrictions as well, that has been something of the sorts. Um, but I think that is so cool. So I'm honestly so glad I have another pop culture person in here because it is already just great to have some of those fun facts as we go along. So now we're going to talk about our first character, our main character, and I'll go and then we can kind of do like a little round robin type thing. So first up, we have Daniel Panabaker, who you may recognize from several other Disney Channel projects such as Read and Weep which is another one of my personal favorite Disney Channel original movies. I have not seen it in forever, though, so I would definitely love to talk about it on the podcast soon. And she is also in the show The Flash on the CW, which I have never seen, but all my friends are telling me to watch. So maybe along the route of my life, I will watch it and we will get to see her in the show. And so Brittany, like I said, is just a teenage girl. She's kind of going through it. She has her teen angst, as she self-describes which I thought that was kind of funny because she definitely does not scream teen angst in any way. She just seems like a happy soccer player. She plays soccer, obsessed with Jordan Cahill, kind of like uh, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, if you will. (laughs) And he is really done with his life too. So you kind of have a parallel between um, Brittany and Jordan as they're both kind of going through it. They want to change in their life. They want 
something new. And well, they definitely both aren't getting it because we have his manager who kind of is like Britney's mom kind of controlling their life. And so my opinion about her is I didn't really hate her. However, I found her to be kind of annoying at some times. I felt she was kind of ungrateful as a teenager. I'll say sometimes, you know, I think I'm ungrateful too. However, I just found her to be a little (laughs) ungrateful for it. However, I think if I had a celebrity's phone, I would have acted the exact same way. I would have been just in complete shock. Uh, But she does seem to kind of focus and um, how do I say, like rely on Natasha for a lot of things. And Natasha, as we learn towards the end of the movie, is not very truthful in her ways. So she doesn't really have that true friendship as they thought they did. And that kind of kind of made me a little bit sad because I think that she just needs like some guidance from her parents and her friends to kind of get her through this little teen angst phase. Yeah. Definitely. I would say she's that girl, which I can relate to, who walked right out of Limited 2. She's got the, the styles of the moment and... I like her. I think that she is relatable looking back on it. Uh, I think given her circumstances of living in this like cookie cutter house and this cookie cutter neighborhood, I can, yeah, I love how you brought that out with the parallels between her and Jordan, but with her life, I think that Danielle does a really good job of playing up some of the comedy of everything around her being the same. Um, She has her moments, which we all do, but like you said, she definitely is uh, really drawn to Natasha because there's this drive to become cool. And I think that's a very like 2000s Disney Channel thing. So we can talk more about that. But on the whole, I like her as a character. I, I've, always, I've always kind of enjoyed how, how driven she is to be a songwriter. Like it doesn't yeah. happen a lot that often. I mean, there are glimpses of it, but Jordan and her character can kind of relate and you know it all comes full circle at the end which we'll talk about but I feel like you know once she meets Natasha she's sort of like trying to fit in so bad and on on a film standpoint that could come across as like annoying but it works here if that makes me think yeah i think so. i definitely agree it makes sense she's just a, a, a classic decom teenager i think that's just the best way to say it she's just going through it yeah and natasha just kind of doesn't help in that way that she kind of doesn't give she can't trust natasha the way that she thought she could and she's trying to change herself for natasha because natasha is so much cooler than her and when you have to change yourself for a friend, I say this on the podcast all the time, it's not worth it. It's just, it's not a true friend if you have to change yourself. Uh, apply that to decom life and into your real life, please. But just seeing it, especially in this decom, I noticed and I was just kind of, I kind of saddened by it because I just don't like that theme. And it just happens to be in most decoms or shows on Disney Channel, especially in like the early 2000s. I wonder if there's like a... I wonder if there's like a, for lack of a better term, Bible when you're writing a decom. <laughs> like, like these are the must things that you have to have. Oh, we have to follow this story. We have to follow this and that. And 
you come with like the hallmark approach where it's like you gotta connect all the boxes sort of and yeah i think they had started to find their well they really had found their footing by the time they were at this stage like 2004 they had been doing this for a while one thing that sticks out to me is all of this best friend tension we're talking about it's all gonna come to a head in the best friend fight you know like you said she can't trust her anymore and there's gonna be so I'm running out of the room and the mom is standing there and doesn't know what's going on. I think it's part of why we love it though. I agree. I something that I've always something I've always in my kinda something that I've always kinda thought was funny about the whole Brittany and Natasha dynamic is can we talk about the rest of Brittany's family? Like Oh, yeah. Like that's that's like a whole other thing. Like they could have made a movie just about the whole family. Like, I want to know more about the sister who drives you. <laughs> like, you know, like, I want, I want a whole film about her, you know? It's like, I, it's like this cool, like this kooky, weird family, but you, you're invested for the whole runtime. Of the movie. I loved the mm-hmm. sister personally. I thought she was hilarious. Oh, I did too, but I'm just, I just want to know more. Me too. I want to know yeah. like, why well, she's sense. so scared to drive. I mean, I can relate. I just got my driver's license about five months ago. So definitely can relate. Wait, so how old how old is she in the movie though? Like what do uh, we know do we know her seventeen, I would say probably sixteen or seventeen, yeah. I would think so. She's a king kind of more like neurotic than Yeah. Like you could be nervous to drive, but I feel like there's an extra something that we don't know. You know? Mm, I think Bob is working on like the sequel yeah. to this movie right now. <laughs> I want more. I would love, I, it. I, would love <laughs> it. I just the driving scenes just remind me so much of like when I'm driving with my sister. My sister, she loves the music loud. I don't do loud music. I'm like, I'm trying to drive. I'm trying to focus, but not to that extent that we see her sister kind of going on throughout the whole film. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious, though. So, bonus points for yes. comedic relief. Yeah, the brother, too, honestly. Uh, I stand he, I stand the brother. He's got, I, like, a, a little bit of Matt McGuire in him, I think. I was just actually going to say that. He reminds me much of Matt McGuire, and also, I don't or the brother in Freaky Friday. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Another thing, like you said, that, they probably just have the cards that they must pull and be like, oh, we're going to include this in the movie. It's like the same yeah. like formula. <laughs> like, can you, picture, can you picture the audition? Yeah, we want a Matt McGuire type. <laughs> like, mm. like that. Like, they must have sort of like a guidebook of maybe literal maybe figurative but like a guidebook of what they want yeah i mean they all have different writers but you know it's like it's still the brand at this point in time but yeah that family though and can we say like there were like there were like four or five movies just in that year alone if memory serves me right like they cranked them out every couple months they were still doing quite a lot prior to that, at Bob, as you might have. Well, you weren't watching the channel yet at that point, but 
there was a time when they were doing them once a month, which was a lot. But oh, yeah. Exciting. Like, I, no, because I looked, I remember the when I got it, it was like Cheetah Girls was out, and then mm. it was like, there were a couple, Eddie's Million Dollars, so they were still doing the every, like, two, three months thing. Okay. So it was kind of nearing the end of that, but... That, 2000 and 2001 were those years. One every single month, I, I know. Because last year, I felt like every single yeah. month, I was like, it's another 20th anniversary of a DCOM, and I was like, what? Yes. Yes, I love it. It makes me so happy. Um, so our next character is obviously my favorite, Brenda Song. However, I cannot say the same about her character, Natasha. Natasha supposedly comes from New York. You know, she's the it girl. She's new. She's moving in. She's got a pretty good fashion sense. She's smart to an extent, but she does not like sports. She does not play. She does not participate in gym class. And she kind of just needs to get her way. She doesn't understand the dynamics of the suburb that she's in. She's not ready. She does not understand the Jordan Cahill obsession. And so she meets... But if you're in New York and you're you're that dialed in, shouldn't you know? Like you're the, the way they perceive, and it's not just because I live in New York, but the way they perceive him, the way they make her out to be, like, are you that extravagant? Like, have you not seen any? You know what I'm saying? It's like they they build this New York persona up for her, and it bugs me. Because I watch that movie, like it's not like that here. Like, what are you? <laughs> what are you saying? You know, it just never it, makes sense. It doesn't make sense. I feel like that's the point that we're gonna get to for a lot of the parts of this decom. It just doesn't make sense, and this. This specifically the way that they just like perceive her like she lived in Madrid she's been all over the world she's like the cool girl for it all to be a lie in the end obviously spoiler alert and even like her put on fake that that little attitude she got the voice I, I can't I don't know guys Stop, come on I think Brenda did a great no, job I love Brenda. She no, Brenda. yeah we love we love Brenda but I get what you're saying it's like uh, on the Get a Clue podcast, Matthew, you and your uh, co-host brought up the Brenda song, like fashionista in all of these shows and movies. But I like that it's not exactly the same. Like she's got that extra bit of sass here. It, you know, not like the most likable for the lying and all of the, you know, other uh, mannerisms and characteristics we've been mentioning. But it is interesting to see uh, the variations of that. But it's a very good, it's a very good predecessor to London Tipton. Mm. Like, it's kind of like, um, London Tipton is this character on steroids. <laughs> I feel like, you know what I'm saying? So, that's how I see it. I agree. I think, that this is one of the only things that she's been a part of besides Ultimate Christmas Present where it's not the cookie cutter, Lennon Tipton, stereotype fashionista thing like I mentioned in my Get a Clue episode. 
and I like her in this movie. It's just I think the character just annoys me because it's like a person yeah, she I great get in along it. with. Mm-hmm. Kind of that liar. Not she just she kind of just wants attention. I mean, everyone wants attention. I mean, it's part of human life. If it were now, she'd have a bunch of like Instagram followers and like <laughs> she would be like the TikTok she... famous girl. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just didn't like how they lied. And then they had that little sad black and white montage of like all the clips of them and some sad teen angst music. I just thought that was hilarious. Didn't they use those in, I think they used those in the promos. Like they really. Probably. Built off that. Yeah. I um, can't remember the promo for this one. But I just. Anyway. But yeah. So. Dex Brenda for yeah. you. She did a great job, though. And she also just had a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. Also just had a kid, like, not that long ago. Yes! With Kevin from Home Alone. Lexi processed that for a second. See, okay, I knew, I've known that they've been mm-hmm. dating for, for, I did, for like, I two did, years. I did, too, but it still throws me for a loop. Yeah, somebody messaged me and like, I can't believe they were together. I mean, I knew they were together. I just hadn't, I mean, obviously no one knew that she was expecting. And then all of a sudden she posts one day, we had a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yay her. Yay her. Yay her. Call back. Um, I get it. uh, Well, that's Natasha for you. And up next is Jordan Cahill. I'm gonna call him like the Justin. Ooh, I got a lot. I got a. Time. I got a lot of fun facts. I got a lot of fun facts for this one. Um, Jordan Cahill is played by like a veteran Saturday Night Live actor at this point, Taron Killam. And he, I feel this was my first exposure to him. And he's just a pop star who wants to be accepted for who he is in his artistry because they're not letting him do what he wants. And we get into that. But, like, when you're in a creative space and you're stopped from doing what you want, it kind of sucks. And, um, trust me, I know. Um... But, you know, his acting, you empathize with his character so much. You know what he wants. You feel bad for him, and then you root for him at the end. He's only, he's only, he's only difficult, and he's only, like, hard to deal with, because it's the people he's around. Once he goes um, back down to Earth... You notice the real Jordan, and you may it make him likable. I agree. I honestly, at first, I I forgot. I was like, I don't really like him. But then, when you kind of see where he's coming from, and that he doesn't have any freedom, he's a pop star. He's controlled every move by his manager and his assistant, and he he wrote his own lyrics to a song. He can't even sing them. And you just kind of feel bad for him because you realize like the pop star life or the celebrity life that everyone, ev- pretty much everyone wants, not everyone, but a lot of people want to kind of see that unpleasant, I guess you could say, like reality of that life. 
and he literally was actually not that bad. Like everyone perceived him to be like such a bad guy, like a popular celebrity. Like don't look him in the eye, like all this and stuff. Like that is just so funny. And he just turned out to be such a down to earth person. He like sits with Natasha and Brittany and like the little tunnel. And I just I I actually really liked him. I I, I love that scene at the diner though. When, yeah, yeah, where he's about what, to chow down on his burger. And when he like put, what, what was his thing? Like he was, he was so excited about the bobblehead. Like, yes, like we see we see some human, and like you totally empathize with him towards the end. He helps out. At the end, he comes to that benefit or that fundraiser or whatever it is, and you root for him. So, I was yeah. so excited when his song was just sent to everyone. I have no idea how that worked. His song was just sent to every single phone in the area. Mm-hmm. No clue how that worked. Yeah, she, that, that, I, that, that phone was, that phone was way advanced for its time, and Probably still advanced for now. <laughs> like, Let's doing? not get ahead of ourselves. We'll talk plenty about the, the technological excitements there. But I agree with both of you. And I think it's sad that even though this is obviously like over exaggerated and parts of it are like kind of fantasy, that there is a reality to it that sometimes people's albums do get shelved and never see the light of day. And there are like really cool songs that don't always get heard. So I also love that he was able to get his own original lyrics out there and kind of match up with this identity that was underneath him that whole time. So yeah, cool character. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree. And also fun fact, just because I'm a theater kid, he played the role of King George the third on Broadway in Hamilton um, back mm-hmm. in 2016 and 2017. Oh yeah. So, cool. I, I was waiting when I saw that footage of him on like, is he gonna do more than me? <laughs> like, is he gonna? <laughs> is he gonna start singing it? Like, it's like, yeah, I was so excited to see him. Me too. He was he was really good in this movie, so I give him credit. And the songs are just early two thousands, just really good. And they weren't like horrible lyrics. They weren't as bad as some of the other. No, ones. they were. They were very. Um, I. It kind of reminded me of, and I'm to- where I'm totally dating myself, but I think Allison will get me. He sort of reminds me of Ryan Cabrera. Do you know who that is? The name sounds familiar. I don't know. Ma- Matthew might know him better. Than if I you know. look at if you look him up on Google, they actually look very Ryan similar. Cabrera. Cabrera. Okay. I do see it. Looks familiar. What's okay, give us like a hit song, Bob. Uh the song the big one that he did was on the way down. But I think his claim to fame was that he was dating Jessica Simpson's sister for like half a second. Oh very interesting. But I just it was just so ironic that I think this movie and his album came out like a month apart. So oh, cool. I, when I was when I was watching this for first time, like, is that him? <laughs> I always thought that 
Like, because, like, similar look and similar feel, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's some but, of the early 2000s photos. They have kind of, like, the same hair vibe going on with the highlights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, up next, our character is Eddie, who is the assistant to the manager. And <laughs> pretty much the cause of all the chaos in this movie. <laughs> And the one person in this movie that I've actually had the opportunity to talk to. Um, wow. And he doesn't remember much about doing this movie. I mean, it was like, from what I remember, I don't want to speak for him, but I think it was just a, a quick thing that he did. And then, you know, move on to the next thing. But. I liked his character. I mean, he was kind of like the, the, for lack of a better term, the gopher. Yeah. He was like, okay, you know, you want this, you got it. Here you go. You like that kind of stuff. But, like, and then he gives him that weird, like, he gives Jordan that weird heart-to-heart in the middle of the movie, like, we did this together. I I forget exactly what it was, but it's like you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, like, we were kids and we did it. I'm like, oh whoa, Eddie, whoa, okay. <laughs> uh, his character was very. Uh, he was trying so hard to be professional, and he just like wasn't like he just like has the quirky like assistant vibes from like any movie. And I honestly enjoyed his character. He was very comedic. He didn't really have any plan of action throughout this whole movie. It was kind of just a mess of, oh, let's get this phone back. Um, But he never really knew how to do it. He wasn't really willing to make any big sacrifices because he knew that it would lose him his job, obviously. And he just added such a comedic relief. And I really enjoyed, like, just having him kind of break up the story a little bit with some like of the humor because this movie well it was funny early 2000s i just felt that it needed a little bit more like just comedy i love it i love his interaction i love his interaction with the girls oh yeah that's a big part of it and there's that one point where they're on the phone and he like opens the fridge and takes out something and like smells it just stuff like that It's a lot of fun. He's always going through the fridge. I can picture him on the phone with one, um, Brittany one of the times, and he's like going through the fridge, like you said, and he's like, like sniffing it before he eats <laughs> it. He's just such a funny guy, and I really, I actually liked his character. Yeah, same here. Um, so our next character is uh, the sister. Um, I believe she is. I forgot her name. Um, Corey English? Oh, that's her real name. I don't remember what Jessie. 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 Oh, 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 oh. Uh, yes. She, like we said, yes. hilarious. Hilarious driving. I feel bad because I jumped the gun oh, on her. Okay. Like, I can't. Oh. It, you know, <laughs> it's all right. It's just natural. It's just natural conversation. And she, like we said, she is literally just hilarious. I don't know why because, I mean... It's, like, not great to have a fear of driving. However, it's a movie. It's a comedic aspect. And she, when I first started driving, that's how I was. 
if anyone was talking, I was very much freaking out because I was like, I need to focus on the road. I got to focus on the road. Um, over time, it kind of just dies down. And if she is like 16, 17, hopefully eventually, even though she's not a real person, that just kind of dies down because that was so intense for her. <sighs> you know, even though we've talked about like wanting a little bit more of her character because she's funny and like the brainiac one, even though like I'm the big sister, I don't I don't have a big sister. I have a little sister. I still get the vibe that this is kind of like a for some families, maybe a good representation of what that actually would look like through the younger siblings eyes, like the other ones kind of off in the room on the computer. And then like everything's very insular and you've got this pop star's phone and you've got all of your problems. So I thought that aspect of the characterization, even though we love her, we want more. Like, kind of makes sense now that I think about it. Yeah. I mean, I always I always enjoyed her because she was always like, I love, like, I love, like, sketch comedy and, like, classic comedy routines. And we get a lot of that back and forth in this with her. So... It made my it made me happy. I really liked it too. It was, an, it was just a nice breakup, like I said, to kind of have some more comedy in this movie. Um, so up next is the manager Len. Um, every time I hear the name Len, I don't know if anyone can really. I think of Len Goodman from Dancing with the Stars. Oh yes! my! I was gonna say that. <laughs> yes, uh, I love him. He's so funny. He's so funny. Well, in the movie, this Len is very irritating, personally, for me. I mean, I get where he's coming from. This is his job. This is his business. He loses Jordan. He loses his life, pretty much. Jordan is his ticket to fame. Really annoying. Like I said, he's focused more on the money aspect than maybe, like, the friendship between the two or even just jordan like his mental health and all that stuff like he knows jordan wrote these lyrics but he won't let him use these lyrics because it he only wants them to he says focus on getting with someone breaking up with someone and loving someone i'm pretty sure those are like the three things Mm -hmm. the loving he said that on the music video set and so that kind of just i don't know i just didn't like like the portrayal because i feel like there's a lot of artists that you can think of that are just the love like thing like that's their brand he says that's his brand the hair is his brand well what happens when the hair is gone because it halfway through the movie gets chopped off um thanks to natasha so like i guess you kind of just see a really interesting thing and len is just like the brand is gone You, you you don't write about love you don't have the hair it's all gone but then you see him flourish at the end of the movie yeah, and this is a really good, really good stuff you're all bringing out because I'd like to think that now with artists and their people that it's moved past this a little bit of them being so boxed. And I mean, look, look at like the Britney Spears documentary and having to like look and be a certain way. It seems like now that they have a lot more control over their narrative, they're even like because they now now and this is a big component to it now you don't need a manager Hmm. you get that later like you can put your stuff on soundcloud or on youtube and you have your own following yeah so yeah a different time that whole pop star mystique was even dated then 
by a little bit. Like by then, all you had in the pop landscape was Hillary Duff, pretty much. <laughs> like that. I mean, you had Anna, Hannah Montana later, but that was again. That wasn't mainstream. Like Miley wasn't mainstream yet. So, like this whole marketing and music video, it's sort of reminiscent of like the Backstreet Boys and Sync and all that stuff. But I feel like it was a little bit dated even then. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about. Can you think about it, this week, what, 2004? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, there weren't a lot of pop stars. There were successful pop acts, but there wasn't a Jonas Brothers. There wasn't a, like, everything comes in cycles, and I think this was a little bit too dated if they waited a few years um, it would have made more sense, but it's an interesting idea. Maybe a little bit of foreshadowing for like the next phase of yeah, things. I mean, yeah. Disney brought in a lot of pop stars, like you were saying, um, Miley, Demi, the Jonas Brothers, so many more. And so it's kind of like this is a Disney Channel movie, so it's like kind of like a foreshadowing thing. I could totally go on a tangent about that because people. One quick thing. We're just having a conversation, so who cares? Um, People think that the Jonas Brothers is a Disney act. Not at first. Right. And when everybody's like, oh, I I follow the Jonas Brothers sync. Like, Hannah Montana's like, no. It's like two years before that. That's my tangent because it bugs me all the time when I talk to people. That's that's fair because I feel like a lot of them, like all of the other ones I mentioned, they had something before Disney, but like they didn't become mainstream. And when an artist becomes mainstream, everyone's like, oh, they're not as good anymore. They're mainstream now. But that's like their fame. That's like what motivates them to keep going for most. And I feel like if they wouldn't have had that footing... They definitely wouldn't be here till this day. And the Jonas Brothers recently reunited. I mean, they're brothers, but they reunited, uh, like back in. I mean, they they're doing they're doing so mm-hmm. they're doing just as good now as they did then. Yeah, but yeah. And the, the way I kind of crystallize it is this: everything flipped. It started off as more mainstream people, then coming and doing projects with Disney, and then turned everything around to getting started in-house at Disney and then becoming mainstream. So anyway, who knows? Jordan Cahill, right in the middle of it all. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So up next, we have Kristen Nelson, who plays Susan Ahrens, who is the mother. And she is another very key figure in the movie. She is a real estate agent, and she is in charge of saving this old rundown house. They say the name at some point. Uh, Ashbrook. Ash I was gonna say Ash Grove, but I was like, that doesn't seem right. I'm pretty sure that's a song. It is, yes. Oh yeah, the musical yes. theater. Yeah. Yes. Very so Ashbrook, they are trying to save this house. It looks very reminiscent of like the haunted mansion at Disney. Very run down, very old. Oh my. Yes. Vibes. 
And there's really no saving grace to it, really. Like, it looks very unpleasant. But the mom is very set on saving this. And so to save herself, Brittany has to somehow figure a way to save the house so that she doesn't get in trouble with her mother. Because this is very important to her mother. This is her work. She has signs, so they're going to hold a rally. But they need someone to bring the attention. So none other than Jordan Cahill will fill the spot. But he doesn't know he's going to be singing at this. So that's very interesting because she kind of just says that it's going to happen without any, like... Any, like, evidence (laughs) or, or promise. So... But it does happen. I mean, realistically, if I were to just be like, oh, yeah, Miley's going to sing at this little thing, like, that just wouldn't happen. <laughs> but you have to remember, he they ha- they switched cell phones, so she's got to kind of bribe him with something to get the phone back. And so this was the event. He sings yeah. Yeah. a song, a debut song, as he said, and he sings on the little porch thing, the old rundown house. That's such a beautiful shot. Like, that, I love that. It's like he was totally manipulated, but it worked out in his favor in the end. (laughs) Um, And Bob has been saving a really lovely tidbit about the mom for this moment. If you you can't remember, it has to do with a door. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, for some reason... There's, I guess, a throw. Uh, would you call it a throwaway? A throwaway line? Would you call it like something? No, I think in- it's hilarious. Well, okay. So, I I forget how it comes up. Maybe I mean I watch it, but I okay. Know. I'll help you out. So, Brittany is in her room and she's working on her song and playing her right. guitar. She's supposed to be doing her homework, and her mom hears her sing this line. <laughs> The door is closed on. Yes. And then, right. and then she's like, the door is closed on what? Or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, why are you taking so much time with this line? And the delivery kills me every time. But when she sings it, when the mom sings it back, the door is closed on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, like, theatrical. <laughs> I, I, I love, love that you brought so that up because that was in my notes. That specific delivery <laughs> was so it was so bad. I was watching this in a study hall today. Obviously, I had I had no other homework to do. I'm ahead of all my homework. So I was like, what am I going to do? I'll watch Stuck in the Suburbs. So I'm watching it and it gets to that line and I'm just dying of laughter. And everyone's like, what is going on? And I'm just like, it's just so bad. <laughs> There's a, there's a, my my favorite part of that is there's like a half a beat between when she sings it and the reaction. Mm-hmm. And when she sings it back to you, I think that just made it. When she just was like, the door is open. And then the way she just sings it with like such passion when Brittany's like singing it, like mumbling it because she's not very confident in her songwriting, and the mom right? is just like breaking out into song right then and there. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, she she keeps that drama going. Door, it's closed on my dreams. I'm not sure what I'm more upset about that it's eight thirty and you haven't started your homework, or that you really feel this way. I mean, it was okay, so I'm funny. Done. I'm sorry. It's just so and funny. isn't there something? Isn't there something? I don't know. She's 
the mother is very overdramatic in this movie. Because there's something either before this or like something about ice cream and it's like they're having ice cream and she's like, I don't want any ice It's like, why are you they're making the Britney storyline so dramatic and it compliments to the mother and it's beautiful. Uh the song. I love it. Also, the song is like the mom said, "Teen angst." That just that song is yeah. so like dramatic. The doors cl- at first, I was like, "The door is closed on," because that's all she says. I'm like, that, that, what is that? That doesn't make sense. The door is closed on. Like, I was like, "What does that mean?" And then she's like, "The door is closed on my dreams," and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> it was just really yeah. dark and dramatic." I guess about to get real. <sighs> um, and so then, and even the even the way she reads it. Like, the door is closed on my dream. Like she, she's like really feeling it, and it's hilarious. Very emotional. Very emotional. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's like, many other friends in this movie. We can really. They didn't really add anything to the story. They follow uh Brittany around and her mom pretty much like a dog the whole time. Uh, they all stick together. They're the Jordan Cahill fans. They have this little dance that they do, and then they stand on the couch and it. Uh, and then, and then the brother joined in. Yeah, that was cute. Uh, I was just gonna These go girls, right to the brother, so yeah. just let's go. <laughs> uh, he literally was so funny. He seems like my younger sister. She's always like trying to spy on me. Like she's like trying to hear what's like <laughs> happening. So it's kind of like funny. And so when he like was like on the wall listening in with his um the little stethoscope that's the word uh and she like bangs on the wall and then you hear this little ringing noise in the sound effect so funny because you know obviously it's gonna be loud just so funny he is like you said matt mcguire vibes and i really enjoyed his character i mean he's just supposed to be like a fun little ad in but when he joins in like you said i just found everything to be so comedic and i really liked it yeah he was great Good, good Disney Channel brother. I approve. I agree. Um, I think that's about it for characters. I mean, the dad didn't really do anything. He kind of just hated yeah. Brittany as well. What? What was he there? He didn't. He didn't like four things. But at least he like put the ice cream in the cabinet. That was pretty funny. I'll give him that. Yeah, give him credit. I mean, at least he was there. Unlike most Disney Channel dads, at least he was there. I mean, it was a nice add-in, and it you know just kind of have someone else in there, kind of added to the dynamic. And you know he was there. Got to give him some brownie points for that. Um, yeah. So, um, let's just start from the beginning of the plot, like we said. It starts off in this really weird, like, car scene, and the mom is, like, kind of going out of it. She's like, is this someone's house? And everyone's like, no, this is no one's house. She's like, are you sure? Are you sure? So the mom seems to be going through it, too. I think everyone in this movie is just going through something. (laughs) (laughs) I like their little, you know, conversations, and it's just funny because I didn't grow up in uh, a neighborhood exactly like that like the houses in mine looked kind of different but I definitely went to friends houses and stuff where it was that sort of vibe so it is kind of comical to see how they like over exaggerated that to where the mom can't even tell like whose house is whose I thought it was kind of funny set the tone suck in the suburbs it's in the title 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and from there, they are like, can we, can we, can we please, can we please? And the mom's like, can you what? Like, come on. And so they want to go watch Jordan Cahill perform on this pop culture show with this host, very reminiscent of like Ellen or something like along the swords. Probably like TRL more than anything. Yeah. It's mm, a good point. Yeah. And they start freaking out, start screaming, you know, the classic. Like, think of like One Direction fans is like a good way to put it. Like, if we're going to go today, <laughs> that's a little shout out to my sister, huge One Direction fan. And she just goes crazy. So, like, they're going crazy. And then, and then they go into their first attempt at that. Do they do the dance or is that later? There's some, uh, there's there some dancing some going on. But not that. Not that. Not the little, like, some... I don't know what to say, like the electric slide type thing that they were doing. Yeah. There's like some, some spinning and then, yeah, the running on the couch thing, which I'm like, this also shows our age, Bob. I started thinking, am I closer in age to the kids in this movie or the parents? Like, we're right in the middle. Because I started thinking, like, I would never let anyone do that and just stampede my couch and flip it over. I could not help but think of that. So there you go. You know what? I never thought of that. I never thought of like that age. I've always just, whenever I watch these, I'm always transported to back when I was a kid. And then I'm like, oh, wait. I'm either the age of a brother or, a, you know, Jane So yeah. Anyway. Anyway, back to back on So track. then they go to school the next day where she meets Natasha, the new girl who is supposedly from New York. The cool. She's got a pretty decent fashion sense. She kind of just fits right along with the crowd. Her lockers like along and then each one opens their locker. They got their Jordan Cahill shrine in their door, which is hilarious because... There were girls at my school who did that with Justin Bieber. So that's why I keep comparing it to Justin Bieber. And it was quite the adventure to see like them all freaking out. And Natasha, even though she's from New York and supposed to be super trendy, she has no idea who Jordan Cahill is. She's like, who is Jordan Cahill? Is he your boyfriend? What were were these uh, random? I just thought of this. What was this? What was that random tangent about? Those shoes that oh, yeah. the they got shoes. in. Remember the one I got them I mean, in New York. I got them in New York, but you can only get them online or, or something like that. I'm and like, the, yeah, this is right at, towards the beginning that the shoes first surface. Because later, one of the girls finds them, and there, poof, there goes Brittany's like one chance to be they different. Were interesting That's shoes what that was. too. Like they weren't just like regular like flip flops. They were like. Neon is not the word, but they're just like. Were they jelly? They were like jelly. Jelly. I'm sure I had a a shoe in the same family. It's not that comfortable because you've got the bottom just like flopping up as you walk. They're not like a flip flop. You know, it's it's like it's a different feel. I was like, why is this the obsession of the movie? Right. But nonetheless, I thought it was hilarious because that was Britney's like thing that set her apart. But then when someone else takes her fire, how is she going to be popular? She's a little too focused on being right. popular, I think, in this movie. As many yeah. characters are in DCOMs. Um, and so 
Natasha comes in. She has no idea, like, who Jordan Cahill is, which makes no sense, like we said. She's supposed to be the trendy teen. Like, she lived in New York. They make her to be such this big person and modern, but she's not. She's just a regular girl who's been stuck in the suburbs, just like Brittany, just trying to reinvent herself um, and change herself, which, as I said, that's a no-no, everyone. We don't do that. (laughs) And from there, we kind of notice their friendship blooming, which is kind of weird at first because they're so different. Like, you see this popular girl kind of with the not so popular girl who wants to be popular so they kind of both use this as an opportunity to just be friends they are in gym class together and Natasha's like I don't do sports um and she's like no you're the teacher says you'll be on the goal with Brittany and that's where they first kind of have their first interaction and she's like you lived in New York and they just kind of become friends from there kind of a cute little origin story if you ask me yeah yeah. And then things start to get interesting because Jordan Cahill is coming to town. All the girls, Brittany and her gang, they are freaking out. There's going to be a pop star in the suburbs. Like that's just unheard of, like we said. They're all in their they're all on their chat room. <laughs> yes, the the IMs blowing up the computer and all the phone calls with the I love it. I thought it was hilarious because and they all have the same ringtone. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious because it's like Something that is still happening today, but it's just, like, so crazy to kind of, like, see how far we've evolved since 2004 technology with stuff like that, so. I remember, and I'll say this, after I saw this movie, I looked up what the phone was, and I begged my mother for this phone. And cut to, I wasn't even, like... I I was um I was just like six months shy of turning like ten or something when I saw it. And I was like, I want this phone and my mom was like, Okay, whatever which really means no <laughs> You know, like you know they try to like shut you up. Like, so all right. of this it influenced you to want that particular phone, Bob. Yes. I mean, it's a. I mean, two thousand four. That was the phone. I mean, I mean, you could go on the internet with it. It was cool. Like, but that's one of my vivid memories about watching watching this movie. I definitely agree. And now look, we're on the internet, video chatting right now. Yeah, for definitely. a podcast. And so now Jordan is coming to town. He's filming a music video. Super cool. Uh, Brittany's like, let's go and pretend to be fans. However, they're not going to be pretending because they're both going to be fans, even though they don't really know it. They're both fans. I thought the Natasha thing was really weird because she ended up did being like kind of a fan. And I was just like, why? Why did you need to hide it? Because that was like, that was a good, that would have been an actual bond for them. They needed a good, strong bond mm-hmm. and that would have been good for them. Um, yeah. Because it's like she, Brittany had to go and tear all those posters off her walls. You wonder if they could have just both loved Jordan and talked about it. I guess it would have been a different movie. But you know, I guess that goes back to like the angsty. I like. I feel like I have to fit in, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. 
attitude with her. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so while they're there, um, they kind of get to see a little bit of a glimpse. I mean, they don't, but we, the audience, get to see a little bit of a glimpse into Jordan Cahill's life, which is not as glamorous as it is made out to be. He wrote lyrics that he can't even sing because his manager won't let him. And so he kind of gets sad and there there's window. And so the girls like run up to the window. And one of my favorite lines is, I think it's from the manager says, go peel them off. They're going to leave a mark. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. And they're just like, oh, yeah, they pushed right. against the window. Just honestly hilarious. And from there, we have our first big plot point. They run into each other. Literally, they collide and everything is a classic kind of like a scooby-doo moment i feel like like very animated moment Mm. they switch stuff around somehow the guy grabbed the pink phone the small pink phone and confused it for a brown huge phone would that really happen yeah would that really happen i i'm skeptical got like the palm pilot versus the little Whatever it no, was. Nokia. Yeah. Nokia of some kind. I don't know if I would have made that mistake. Well, it made a big mistake because now they got to figure it out. And so they go to the hotel and the hotel manager, the receptionist guy up there, not having it. He's like, you're just like all the other fans just lying to get up there. Wait, you you do know who that is, right? Drew C. Oh, yes, I did know that. I was like, wait, are you talking about, like, the guy? And I was, okay, now it makes sense. Drew Seeley. I love that so much. Yeah, that's okay. Ha- I like that part. Hashtag David the Death Clerk. <laughs> we should make he that trend. trend on- we gotta trend it. No, he, yeah. when that was, when people found that out, that was trending for, like, a day. I'll yeah. never forget that. For anyone who does not know who Drew, Se- Drew Seeley is, he auditioned to be Troy Bolton um, in his musical and was the singing voice of Troy Bolton, which a lot of people don't know that he's actually not singing. Kind of breaks my heart a little bit. And he ended up he ended up doing music for High School Musical 2. No, no. Uh, the, Cheetah, Girl, Cheetah Girls 2. Yeah, and, and he was on the High School Musical concert tour, I believe. Yes, he was. So, yeah. so he got his moment of fame. He did. Yeah. yeah. All very interesting and so the desk clerk like we said david the desk clerk and he is just not having it he really tries to convince them to just leave and eventually they just leave they're they're she's not gonna get her phone back she just gives up already we're like what 10 20 maybe 30 minutes into the movie and so the guy realizes that he made a mistake because he pulls out what is supposed to be jordan's phone and it's a hot pink little phone and he's like oh crap i made a mistake i gotta go fix this so he runs down because he he didn't want to admit that he made a mistake because he knows that that could cost him his job that seems to be the theme on the uh not the drew seeley that's not the name the jordan cahill team they all just are terrified of losing their jobs and so he runs down so quick he misses them by a split second runs into the back of the car the sister who is driving freaking out is like what was that what was that and it's that's my favorite part with her i love it 
<laughs> it's kind of like she like hit a bird, but she hit a person. <laughs> be a big bird. And she's freaking out and she just drives away. And the guy's like, wait, he's like, he gets a huge bruise on his head. <laughs> it was hilarious. That was a great part of the movie. Definitely deserves some more appreciation. Yeah. And so he's trying to make things better, but Brittany is kind of in this, I'm going to make Jordan's life horrible because I can't get my phone. So Natasha gives the stylist a call because she hacks into his phone, guesses the password, sees he has a hair appointment, calls the place and is like, cut it all off. Cut it all off. And and you would, you would think with high like high profile management, the password be, would be encrypted, but I guess not. Wow, I did not even think of that. I thought, like, is this plausible? Is it not? Leaning towards not. But this is a stylist in a different town. So I guess that's the one loophole. Maybe this chick just doesn't know any better. She, she definitely did it because she did it. And she Natasha also said, like, don't look him in the eye. You better kneel before him. And he only eats raisins, which you raisins. see earlier in the movie. He hates raisins. <laughs> I love it. He goes, I hate Ray. Like, and he, he says that with such passion. He goes, I hate raging. And can and we so- just talk about the fact that the segue after she tries to be like raisin, it cuts to the family and they're like having a full blown dinner. And the mom just puts like a pit, like a bucket of raisins by the brother. <laughs> just like, what is happening? It was happening? a really weird segue. And what. Something that we haven't um, referenced is the director of this movie came from um, children's television. This was his first, like, made-for-TV movie. Before Before this, he directed a comedy movie called Better Off Dead in the 80s, actually, like, a cult film. And then after that, he directed, like, a bunch of PBS shows for preschoolers, like The Puzzle Place and other stuff like that. So this is, like, his first foray into, like, teen comedy slash drama. That's a pretty good job. And for reference, he... If you look him up, He's a big, he's like, he's like a surfer dude. He's very, like, chill. So I can only imagine him, like, directing this crazy hijinks-filled movie. Oh, I, I just looked him up. So he's he sort of funny quite, to me. quite, quite the resume of films here. Um, you might, he directed the Disney Channel and ABC Family Legally Blondes movie. Um, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Fairly odd movie, big time movie, fairly odd Christmas, fairly odd summer, Rufus, Rufus too. But you know what's interesting? Nobody nobody knows where he is. Like he's oh, wow. mi- like there was even a documentary, like where is Savage Steve Holland? Like Are you like, serious? Yes. Um, there's some Lizzie, some even Stevens, Fill the Future sprinkled in oh here. Oh my gosh, really there's cool. a lot of stuff on here. Even like um Nick to Zeke and Luther, he just directed Bizarre Vark, which is recent, so I wonder how recent that documentary was. Right. 
Like, like, but for a while, he would show off the radar. Interesting. Like, I tried to get him for the podcast, and I could not find him. Very mysterious. Very even people that even people that I know that work with him, they're like, "Yeah, I haven't seen him in like twenty five years." I'm like, "Okay, this I'm kind of interested in this documentary now." (laughs) Investigating. It's an investigating to do. Yeah, Allison investigates. Maybe it's your new new episode. Uh, Maybe uh, from the people that brought you the. The Adventuring American. No. The Adventuring American. Oh, yeah. The detective here. Oh, my God. Another tangent. Sorry. <laughs> You're totally um, fine. This is thoroughly enjoying. This is thoroughly enjoyable. I'm loving this. Yes. Uh, same, so same. now things get kind of crazy because his hair is cut off. That loses his brand. So they need to figure out a way to make this work. The manager comes up with some idea. And it's like, new song, new brand, new music. A good attempt. However, they did this, we- they cut to like a r- really weird shot of him it- filming the music video with a hat on to like do the big reveal. And the hat is very Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a tie-dye brownish color. <laughs> it was just really funny to me. It's very weird. I don't know what the reveal like everyone already knew his hair was cut off like we saw it on that show the day before and they're like he cut his hair he cut his hair he cut his hair the friend group is freaking out they're freaking out but he's like doing this they probably they uh, they probably have a text team for the Jordan Cahill reunion tour in 2023 Um, oh my gosh bring on bring out the beanies for that one um, and so they kind of realize that Jordan is not happy with his record label. He's not getting to be his true self on the show or not on the show, but like with his music. And so he kind of just realizes himself that this is a start of a new era without his hair. Like this is his chance to kind of be the real Jordan that he wants to be. Great self-motivation. I really love that for him. Um, and so, but the girls still have the phone and they are kind of going crazy. They're, they found the More Than Me lyrics. I think that's the song, More Than Me. Yeah. And they <laughs> are like, this, but these aren't the lyrics. And then they kind of finally piece together that they need to kind of save him in a way, which I mean, I don't know how two random teenage girls are going to save a huge pop star, but they make it work. They make it work. And however, they demand of him, I mean demand, because he had no idea that he was going to sing at this rally thing. And then they, they get it to do. They, they, yeah, what did that even mean? They get it to do. That doesn't make any sense. They, they get it to happen. And it's just kind of a crazy moment because you kind of just see that he's going to sing his own lyrics because they sent it out to everyone. Which was like, oh, again, how did that work? How did that work? You know, it's interesting. It's such a weird plot point and a weird turn of event. Like the whole going through the neighbor's yard, the whole bit and all, everything leading up to yeah. that. And then it just, you just watch it and it's like, you hear him sing and then it just, 
make sense for like for those three minutes. You're like, oh, this is nice. You know what I'm saying? It was. Yeah, I love a good run through the backyards of the neighbors scene. That's. It's like, are you baby? Are you babysitting Monday or whatever? It's like, right. it's like, okay, cool, whatever. It was really funny. I love that scene because she runs away. Then she's like, wait, George or Brittany comes back. Can you babysit? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, I think. And then runs off. She didn't like, she was so not even bothered by it. She's like, I gotta go. Like, I gotta go get to Jordan's concert rally. And he eventually gets all this attention, which preserves the um, house, the Ashbrook house. And so they end up being part of a music video for him in the town that they were filming at like a mall type courtyard majig i love it and yeah and pretty much it is crazy for them they're living their best lives and then oh we didn't we kind of skipped over the natasha britney drama like it was just so odd because she finds out that she was lying because the mother told her and she's like oh they're not even divorced they cut to a really long sad montage then they just move on. And then you and then you hear and then you hear the mother go, you hear, What is going on? <laughs> okay. And the montage, that's to Haley Duff's whatever life, right? That song used to make me cry. Right? Did I hear you say whatever? Should've walked away. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, set the tone really well there. And then they pretty much just kind of get over it right away, which is, like, really weird because they need to work together. And it's about Jordan, so it kind of, like, brings them together. But I'm like, if you found out your best friend was lying to you, I mean, I don't think you could just, like, get over that. But it's a decom, and they're running out of time. They've only got, like, 10, 20 minutes left. They got to they speed it up here. And you and you got two more commercial breaks. You got to... <laughs> you got to... <laughs> Put your time in there. And that pretty much brings us to the end of the movie where she's on the phone and with Jordan and now they're like best friends. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Like, they're just like best friends right. now. And I'm like, oh, good for you. It was quite the ride, this movie. This movie was quite the ride. I... Now, yes. if, I, if I can, can I just tell you like, when I was doing this pod, when I was gearing up to do this podcast and I was watching the film, um, my mom came in and was like, what are you watching? And I'm stuck in the coverage. I'm about to do this podcast. She was like, you love that one as a kid. So even she remembers that I had a fondness for it. Mm, it was so, awesome. it was such a bonding moment for all of us. Because I'm so glad that I chose this one. That we both yeah. did it. Well, it I was, was so, so glad cool. to have you. I, right when Allison reached out, I was like, "Yes, of course, let's make it happen." Oh, but we we didn't talk about the epic song at the end credits. Oh, yeah, we got to talk. We're at From the end. Uh, so let's do it. Uh, okay, can I just very briefly say that uh, Matthew, are you familiar with Limited Two, yes. right? Okay, so I brought it up at the beginning because of her outfit, you know, like the, uh, just to say, please, please put me in your video, or like, please, please put me in a sweater. But beyond that, I got the soundtrack at Limited 2, and I probably like 
got some sparkly shirt or something with it. So since we're on the topic of that wonderful song, I just, I love this soundtrack so much because of course, all the Jordan Cahill songs, the, the Haley Duff song, like we mentioned, um, before we get to Bob's song, Stacy Orico for us Radio Disney kids was huge at the time. And she God. had that other song, uh, there's gotta be more to life. So and, this, then she, and then she had stuck too. That was that's the what one. was in this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, of course, like Bob is saying over it. Oh, so good. Annalisa Vanderpool. And Love she's a it. Broadway girl. So to hear her do like rock was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, what's your favorite oh, part of the soundtrack? This is a really hard question because I really liked the Haley Duff song. Because I love Hillary and Haley Duff. I love their song, their rendition of Lips Are Sealed from Most Wanted. That's mm. a good song. But I also really liked the Annalise uh, Vanderpool song just because I always loved her in like That's a Raven, Raven's Home. And I did not even know that she was yeah. singing the song. And so I'm like researching and like typing in. I'm like, she was singing that? I loved it. I loved the, I loved the music video for her too. Yeah, that was really, really cool. Like, but you know, there's, yeah, I mean, Jesse McCartney did a song just for the soundtrack that didn't appear anywhere else. Yes, that's right. That was a good. They one got too. some good people on the soundtrack. I have to give them extra credit for the, for the soundtrack. And mind you, there's like a special edition of the soundtrack with like dance remixes of Jordan <laughs> K, of Jordan Kao songs, and those are. Bonafide bops right there. So, <laughs> BRB gonna check eBay. Oh, I am. I'm gonna have to find it. I need to listen. I need to listen. I'm excited. Wow. Uh, well, we're at the rating point of the episode, and so I will go first. I have been told I am a tough raider. I think I am a tough raider, but this movie thoroughly impressed me. However, like we said, there were some small issues. We talked through them. And Brenda's song and the soundtrack I have to give extra points for. So I settled on like a good 7 out of 10 for me, personally. I'm right there with you. And funny thing, I saw that Brenda's song actually has a music credit, but it doesn't really say what. Like some type of behind-the-scenes music thing. So there you go. That just... That solidifies it. A seven for me because I love this movie, but there are other ones that I would have to rate higher. But it's still so good. So, so good. I I have to say, I have to give this one like a 7.5. Okay. I like because that too. There are more, like, this was, I mean, this came out a year after. I got Disney Channel, so like, I was so like knee deep in watching whatever was on it, and when they used to when they used to run those promos all the time, you were kind of inclined to watch what they had because you got sucked in. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you've convinced me. I'm upping mine to seven point five as well. I love it. I'm gonna stick like, with my I, seven. I remember. I re- I remember this, watching this, religiously and pixel perfect. Like, yeah, yeah. Those two, all the same year. I just, 
I just I love it all. Yeah, and, it was a shorter run. And this was the first and if the any consolation when all the movies went went were went available on streaming prior to Disney Plus and you had to buy them and you couldn't get them anywhere else, this was the first one I bought. <laughs> Cause I wanted to watch this one again. So bad. Well, I'm so glad that we were so, all able I'm so happy to talk about to it. talk together about it today. And now our my last question for our interview is my classic That's So Matthew question. And I always love the responses, particular about these older, particularly, I should say, about these older movies. Does it hold up? Does this hold up? Well, it's 2021. We're looking at about 17 years later. Is Does it feel as good as it did back then? Does it technology wise does it still the music the music still screams 2004 um but what are your guys's thoughts on just how it holds up Bob, you want to go first i yes i look technology doesn't quite hold up fashion does not quite hold up but the stories of friendship and liking a pop star and being so invested in their career, those themes do hold up. So even if you can't relate to the specifics, I feel like there is a lot to enjoy here, as zany and as weird as it may be. Yeah. I I like that. That's That's good. For me... Sometimes I look at the 2000s, they're so imperfect, but sometimes I'm just like, this is a world I want to live in, or the 90s, just thinking about the aspects of it that are simpler. So I do like being taken back to some of that technology, uh, the fashion. I would wear some of these things. I do feel like sometimes in these movies, some of the characters are a little over the top with their uh, fashion choices there. But I always love a music-driven decom, even if it's not a musical, but there's just something tying it together and music has a central focus. I think that age is really well for me because it's, yeah, it yeah. has that 2000s sound, but it's still really fun. There's a, there's a similar film. It's not a decom, but it reminds me of this a whole lot. Like the tonally of it, not plot. But it's called Razor Voice. Oh yeah, it's a Hillary movie. I, I think there's a lot of parallels here, hmm. like tonally how it played out. I mean, there's nothing as deep as what happens in Razor Voice. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but the, the like it's just so musically driven like you said and there aren't movies like that anymore that deal with real issues and have a real family dynamic and talk about friendship in this way so we get a very special film for what it is but matthew being born the same year and like from your perspective looking at all of this old technology and stuff what do you think well i think that it feels 2004 there's no doubt about it the technology the music everything and honestly i really like that i've always been driven to like 
more, I don't want to say old, um, but I'll say not as new, uh, like movies and music and just that whole kind of like way of life back then. And so I really enjoyed this movie. Like we said, there were just some inconsistencies like with the fashion and technology and some stuff that I don't even think exists today. Um, Like the phone is still rather advanced. But I really enjoyed it. I think it does hold up with, like you said, the plot. It's still a pop star. Having like a weird obsession with a pop star. Following their every move. And that and the management aspect. It all just works. And I think that it held up really well. um, Specifically for 2004 DCOM Disney Channel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that about wraps up this episode of the podcast. That's Matthew. Thank you both for being here with me today. So for one last time, where can my listeners find you and your work? Uh, Who wants to start? Um, Go ahead. Go for it. Well, you can find me on my podcast website, which is, for those that don't know, I have a podcast called The DJ Bob Zone, which I cover similar things two stuck in the suburbs and just pop culture in general you can find that at D- djbobshow.com or any of any of your favorite streaming platforms if you want to follow me personally the best place to follow me to see my pointless memes and the stupid stuff i post is my instagram and you can follow me at Runk Instagram. That's R U N K Instagram. Um, and I'm there, and I'm so happy that I was invited here to do this. Yeah, this was awesome. Um, and again, I'm Allison McLean Merrill. I run the Past Foot Forward blog, which you can reach at pastfootforward.com or on my Instagram, where I just sort of post a collection of things I've written, occasionally a reel with me singing a nostalgic song. Um, And in May, I'm going to be doing trivia uh, and facts on Disney Channel shows every day. So come hang out. And um, thank you so much, Matthew, for having us. Of course. Well, thank you both for joining me. It was an honor to have you both and get your insight and your pop culture knowledge on a film that you both really enjoyed and I enjoyed as well. And if you guys want to see more updates from the podcast, make sure to follow me on Instagram at That's So Matthew, as well as Twitter at That's So Matthew One, and Facebook at Facebook.com slash That's So Matthew. And if you want to email me, you can email me at That's So Matthew Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to see updates and join my email newsletter along with listening to the podcast, you can just go to That's So Matthew.com for all the updates there. Um, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll see you guys in another episode again soon. Bye. Bye.